Hello, good morning, and welcome back to a brand new episode of Jesse Rivera Likes to Talk. My name is Jesse Rivera, and guess what? I like to talk. Today on the podcast, we have none other than Miss Regina Gibbons. Yes, this is a dream come true podcast. I finally had the courage to reach out to her and say, would you please come on the podcast and then I got COVID and I had to cancel on her and then life just got in the way and then I think the Super Bowl got in the way. I don't know. So many things happened, but she finally came over a couple of weeks ago and I am finally getting up to getting this podcast out onto the internet so that everybody can enjoy it. She came over a couple of weeks ago and we talked all about um, comedy, uh, growing up, moving from another state to Sacramento and adjusting to this life and then jumping into comedy and not <clears throat> she's a great stand-up comic but she also does these amazing sketches on uh on on TikTok and she does all kinds of funny stuff but of course everyone knows and loves her for being one of the best stand-up comics in the Northern California area, maybe the entire, maybe all of California. All right, she's great, she's amazing. You need to follow her on all the social medias. Her name is Regina Gibbons. There will be links to her TikTok, her Instagram, in the uh, show page. So if you just click, or wherever you, you do your podcasting from, just click on the show information. All of her links will be there. Follow her. She's hilarious. Oh, actually, you don't even need to click links. Just Google Regina Givens and she comes up. That's Regina, R-E-G-I-N-A, Givens, G-I-V-E-N-S. Did I spell that right? Yes, I spelled it right. And I haven't even had my coffee yet today. Pretty good, huh? So anyway, what else is going on in my life? Um, <clears throat> still producing Dear Abby, What the Fuck? with my good friend, Nicole Eichenberg. Our next show is this Saturday, March the 12th at Stab Comedy Theater. You can actually stream that on their Twitch channel or you can go to the theater and see us live, whatever you'd like. Uh, speaking of seeing us live, you can see me, Dejan Tyler, Wendy Lewis, hosted by Amber Whitford at the Powerhouse this Saturday in Folsom, California. That show is at 7 p.m. And I think that is all I am working on right now. Um, dude, thanks for listening to the podcast. Um, peace to the people in the Ukraine. I hope that that gets resolved quickly. And um, hey, it's International Women's Month. Women are awesome. I was A woman gave birth to me. Uh, I have many amazing women relatives. Women are great. Let's give it up to the women because guys are idiots, you know, and uh, they got to put up with us. So, well, they don't got to, but they choose to, right? Anyway, enough from me. Please enjoy the interview. Regina Gibbons, how the hell are you? I'm great. It, I am, I'm so, I'm so glad to have you here. Um. We don't run into each other a lot on the comedy scene because uh, we kind of we kind of do different types of rooms. Yeah. So, um, but every time I see you, that's that's my dog, man. I'm sorry. You could push her away, like she's not, okay. she's not gonna, um, you know, she, it's not you're not gonna hurt her feelings at all. Mm -hmm. um, how are you, man? How how I'm you been? Good. I mean, I survived COVID. 
and uh, I just bought a house. Congratulations. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Was uh, you bought a house like right now in the in this economy in this housing market, yeah. or you bought a house like eighteen months ago? No, um, just recently, barely made it in. Me and my uh, boyfriend barely made it in to the point where <clears throat> it's just starting to get even harder to get a home. It's almost impossible to get a home. What What was that process like? Because when when I bought this house, it was the most stressful thirty days of my life. Uh, it was. It's very stressful. You got to wait on the underwriters. They need this, they need that. You have to have a certain amount down. Luckily, my better half was able to take care of most of it, you know? Uh-huh. And he's into loans. He's a loan officer. So he knows what he's doing. Yeah, he knew what he was doing. But it was still stressful for 30 days. Yeah, it was the most stressful 30 days of my life. And did you get the location you wanted? Did you get, yes. like, the house you wanted? We got everything we wanted. And is it, it something that you're going to be able to add on to? Or do you like it the way it is? We, lo- we love it the way it is. It's a five and four. Five so five bedrooms, four, four bath, and three car garage. That is a mansion, Regina. Well, it's a, and then, you know, I can do my salon here. You know, out of the third garage is a salon. Oh, nice, so, you know, we nice. We can come on over and, you know, look it up. Uh-huh. Yeah, you know. Okay. And um, so, yeah, we don't need to add on anything. Like, we just, we're just living right now. And just having to work to pay the mortgage, you know, keep working. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that's never gonna end, right? Never gonna end till the day we die. So how long have you been in there? Only like a week. Oh wow! So it's brand brand new. Yes. Did you have like all your stuff in storage and? Nope. We moved from one house to the next, and that's why I'm looking tired. I'm tired. My lipstick leaning to the left a little bit because uh, it's like every day you have to do something. Yeah, yeah. It's the the house will. Uh, Literally just drain you. Did you go to? Did you go from apartment to house or from house to house? House to house. Okay, so you already got like all the little things like a rake and like. Yes. Yeah. yeah we didn't have to start from scratch. Like when I my first house was when I was twenty eight. Uh huh. That was the, from scratch. This one we had accumulated stuff, but we we threw a lot of stuff away because we were coming. You know, we've been dating for five years, and it's like we don't we didn't really want a lot of stuff from the past. We, yeah. We bought a lot of new stuff. Good for you. And I haven't shopped for furniture in so many years. I, I didn't even know the price went up like that. <laughs> Shit. I was like, what the hell is this? You are, are you happy with the furniture you got? I love the furniture we have, but it's not cheap. No, I, I'm uh, scared right now because I want to get rid of that double recliner in the living room. Uh-huh. And I want to get like a regular sofa. Yeah. Uh, so one, I got to get that damn recliner out of here. And then two, I got to get a sofa in here, so I'm I'm a little bit worried about how much it's gonna cost me when I do decide to do that. Yeah, it depends on your quality, what type of quality you want. But it's expensive. Um, I'm, I'm I remember when furniture was like a whole set was eight ninety five, eight hundred five dollars back in the day. Wow. My first apartment and stuff. You like, man, you get a whole and the nightstands for eight hundred and ninety five dollars. Now <laughs> it's like four thousand. Right, and you're not talking all the extra stuff. No, not no. the pillows, nothing. Man, that's great. I, I'm really glad to hear that that you got a house because buying a house right now is freaking scary. I have a couple of friends that are that are like in different phases of it, and it's it's never a good conversation. No, well, you know, I got that number for him. You know, he, um, yeah. Well, that's good. That's good. You can let him know. You know, because it is difficult, and I hear him on the phone. It's a lot of clients that they think they have everything to qualify, but the system kind of makes it where. They make it too hard for a person to buy a house. This is ridiculous. Uh-huh. Like, people have the job, the money, and 
then they need more money. Then they want you to borrow from your grandma. But they don't want to see it that it suddenly appeared in your bank account. Yeah, like, where? how did you get that? Well, I sold a couple of uh, sacks of weed and, you know. Yeah, no, they don't want to hear yeah, that. Yeah, a couple of pounds. Yeah. To make this happen. Yeah, when I bought, when I got my house, my mom handed me a, a big clump of money. And I was very dumb. I just put it in the bank. And then they are like, oh, no, you can't do that. Yeah, can't and I was like, that. well, they're like, well, where'd she get it from? I'm like, I'm not going to tell you. It was from under the mattress. Yeah. It's under the mattress money. You know how old people are? Yeah. And uh, no, they didn't want to hear that. Mm-mm. They want to know. It has to be gifted in a professional way. Right, right, right. So speaking of professional way, we can talk about <laughs> real estate for a while. But I want to pick your brain about comedy, man. And yeah. let me just let me just tell you that. Every time, and any time I go to touch a class, it is a, it's a, it's like a learning experience for me of like, wow, these cats are all bringing it. Like it's, it's not an open mic. It's a showcase. But if you want to go up, you can go up. But if you ain't ready, you're not going to like, there's sometimes when you're like, there's sometimes when I'm in a set and like, I realize like three minutes into the set, oh, this ain't going good. Yeah. You know, but at touch a class, the crowd's going to let you know real yes. soon if it ain't going good. How long has that room been going? How long have you been associated with it? Because you're kind of like, you're one of the featured comeback, you come back. Um, well, I used to, I kind of like slightly retired a little bit. They switched owners, so I'm there when they need me. Okay. Or when I have a chance to go there because I, I was there probably like seven, eight years straight. Wow, and it's a it is an open mic showcase. Uh huh. It is so. Um, it's almost like the Apollo. Very so much, you right? Either bring it or you go home. It's in Oak Park in Sacramento, and um, it's you know people will consider it, uh kind of rough around the edges, you know. Mm-hmm. But um, they really will make you or break you in that room. Like you know, if you can do the touch of class, you can go and do any stage in the world, because it's such a hard room. Yes, and um. Yeah, but it's been running for at least 15 years. So how long have you been doing comedy? I've been doing comedy 11. 11 years? Yes. And was that like 11 years nonstop? Like what? Nonstop. And like before you were doing comedy, was it like a bug that was kind of like always in you? Like, like, like were you in your early 20s? Well, like what? How old were you when you started? Well, uh, I started, it's almost like mid 30s. Okay. Yes. So, um, but I had the bug in me in my 20s, actually in high school. And so I auditioned for Barbara's Zahn or something like that. But I really didn't understand, like, was I trying to be an actor? So, you know, and then they wanted money. And I'm like, I want to go audition. I'm like, maybe I could do, uh, you know, like, I want to do something like in Living Colors, you know, comedy, mm-hmm. you know, and be an actor at the same time. But I, would, I didn't understand where I was at in life. So I couldn't figure out what 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 I was trying to do, and so one day, uh, eleven years ago, I worked in a salon. I've been here there for twenty over almost thirty years, uh, all my life, and I would make people laugh in the salon. And I'm like, okay, uh, maybe I should take this to the stage and get paid. At least try an open mic, and because every time I come to the shop, like I'm putting on a performance for free. Right. So that that's what kind of made me go and do that. So my first open mic was. Uh, on Northgate Boulevard, it was called the American Spirit. You heard of that? I know Northgate is just right over there. But it's it's rest in peace now. So uh-huh. many people got killed there. 
You know, I, I've heard stories of how rough Northgate can be or, or was or crime scene all the time. But yeah, um, <laughs> you know, I'm a little tough little cookie. So they had did started open mic and I went there with Tristan Johnson, Rico, uh, a couple of others, other ones. OK, so were 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 are Tristan and Rico people that you knew no. from around or you met them doing comedy? I, I met Tristan doing comedy. Rico, I've been knowing since I was probably like 18. Okay, from so the streets. Okay, then did where where did you grow up in this area? You you talk about in in your comedy you talk about Del Paso Heights a lot. Yes, and you talk about like you mentioned like the local high schools, which I don't know because like I grew up in Bakersfield mm-hmm. and I moved to Sacramento, and then when it was when I was like fortunate enough to buy a home, I could afford here, and I drove through this neighborhood and I was like, oh, this is the kind of place I grew up in. Yeah, you know. So I was like, I love it here. Let's let's do it. You know, yeah. this is the kind of place where like your neighbors leave you alone. Yeah. You know, uh, my neighbor threw a huge party one night. Yeah. They came over the next day and apologized. I said, look, next time, just bring me a plate of food. Man, <laughs> <laughs> why y'all didn't invite me? Shit? Right? Yeah, I got no problems with that. You know, me either. I, I love that type of community. I I love seeing people happy. Yes. You know, well, so Del Paso Heights is where my grandmother stayed. They moved. She migrated here years ago. But um, I'm actually from Texas. I came at 13 years old. Okay. And my family lived in Del Paso Heights. But I've always lived in Natomas. North Natomas. Okay. It, it, considered by Northgate Park, you know, with the Nathaniels. Uh-huh. We didn't have a school in Natomas back in those days. Where'd you guys end up going to school? Grant. They, they, the, the, they There was a bus for real in the high school and Grant High School. And I chose Grant. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Because it was more of my type of people that I could relate with, you know, and really, really it was all Caucasians. They were still putting nigger on the, you know, spray painting nigger and stuff like that. So I'm like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm being, I'm past all that. So I'm just going to go over here uh-huh. where it's diverse. And I went to Grant High School and graduated from Grant High School. So I'm a Grant Pacer, which is a, like a really strong alumni out here. From what part of Texas did you come from? Um, Midland, Odessa. Midland, Odessa, and I know Midland because when I was, I don't know how long ago, maybe 15, 20 years ago, I was obsessed with the book, Friday Night Lights. Yes. I read that the book. Permian Panthers. Yes, and I was obsessed with Midland, Odessa, that whole, and, and then when the movie came out, and then the subsequent TV show, yeah. I was like, wow, this is crazy. It is crazy because I used to be at the games. Booby Miles. Man, I don't remember like the names and stuff, but they were always undefeated. Permian Panthers against Odessa High School. My family was with Odessa, OHS, but like the Permian Panthers were their rivals. But I was kind of young, just like, you know, you know. So, but they were so popular. Uh huh. And then I didn't realize how popular they were because that was just our life. That's just what it was, was, right? Yeah. Yeah. You know, they said that some of those players uh, really suffered when they went to. Big when they when they graduated high school and then went to college, and the next year they were like, wait a minute, I'm used to playing in front of twenty thousand people, and there's like three hundred people at this junior college game, you know? Yeah. And they were like, what? <laughs> oh, that, that I didn't know that happened. Yeah, that happened with some of them. You know, yeah, some of them, some right. of them went to big schools, some of them went to smaller schools. They yeah. all went on to play. Most yeah. of them went on to play, but some of them were like, where's all the people? Yeah, like this is it. Yeah. Yeah, it used to be crunked. It's like, I mean, the the stadium was like a, a real football stadium. Yeah. 
the, the school stadium was so big and I just remember going there just having so much fun and when I moved to California the movie Friday Night Live came and I was so excited because I was so far away from home to see a movie that had my hometown. That was your hometown. Yes, and I was 13 when it so came crazy. out. That is so crazy. It was so crazy. I was like, I'm telling my friends, this is where I'm from. Like, I'm excited. Midland, Odessa. Like, people never hear about that, but the football put them on that. Yes. And and the, and it's still, football is still a thing there. But I think Odessa now has suffered, like, the the oil, the, like, a lot of the jobs left that community, or I don't know. It's just um, what I read. Well, um... I don't know how long ago that was, but shoot, their apartments is like thirteen, fourteen hundred dollars in their country town. They said the oil in Midland Odessa is booming right now. Oh, really? But I don't know if they had something how how recent that article you read. So, uh huh. Um, but last I've known, the they are booming with the money as far as and their rent is per expensive. Okay. That's weird. Okay. Wow. To be in Texas for Odessa to have expensive rent. Okay. I, they only have like three small sets of projects, which I lived in. Mm-hmm. And then um, <laughs> two high schools. Matter of fact, yeah, two high schools. Yeah, it was the two. Well, that I, that I remember from the book. When you when you came from from Texas to California, did you ever like? Was your mindset ever like, okay, I'm going to I'm going to California because that's what that's where the family's going right now? Did you ever want to go back to Texas? Yes, I did, but I my mom moved here mm-hmm. to be reunited with my father. But so I end up. Staying here, and that's when the crack era era was here. So when I first came here, I seen crack people smoking dope, and you know this is in Del Paso Heights. I, I was like, this is so fast paced compared to where I came from. Even though Sacramento was considered country, but it was still faster than what I came from. Mm-hmm. So I came in a crack era, seeing all type of horrific things. Just it was horrible. So my comedy is from begin beginning of. Uh, my life where I could just remember all these things and I could turn it into humor. And is that really what, what you remember? Is that really like what opened your eyes? Is like when you came here at 13, you, you left this small Texas town and came to California to where you thought it was going to be small, but it was moving a lot faster? No, I, I knew it was going to be big as far as uh, bigger than where I was from, but I didn't know the pace of the drugs. Like they, we consider drugs marijuana there. Right. We get you, you fly on a plane, come across, you know, a couple hours, uh, and and come to another state and see crack. And, it, and, and people it, tweaking and and half naked and walking around like zombies. That was a completely a shock to me at the age of when I came, seventh grade, summer of seventh grade. Wow. Crazy. Yeah. It's what is it? I I was in Bakersfield. And I got caught up in the meth scene, and it was it was ugly. Like I just saw it destroy whole neighborhoods, families. Is it is it still like that? I don't I don't know. Um, I mean, you could see. I mean, you see some people on the streets, and you're just like, okay, those guys are using, right? Yeah. But is it still an an epidemic the way it was at one point, or is it yeah. is it better, worse? What do you think? Yeah. Um. It for well, it got better, but then. The crystal meth meth already been out, but now it's like each culture is just swapping. Like when I grew up, black people did crack, white people did ice, crystal meth, or whatever, and popped their little pills and everything. Now it's like everybody's just intertwining, doing everything to the point where it's worse. I don't get the pills thing. I don't. 
the the pharmacist is the number one drug dealer. Yeah. Like they're making these narcos, and I and when when my friends would start popping narcos, I used to say that's that's a white person's drug. You know what I'm saying? That's what white people do. Like I thought they were crazy. Like y'all don't be doing these deals, and they started off as fun. Mm-hmm. And so they were popping narco and maybe drink some Hennessy or whatever tequila, and they liked the high, uh-huh. but not knowing opioid addiction had been so bad like it in in the south. Oh, California wasn't that bad when I came, but now it's like okay, now all that opioid and pill popping because they were pill popping where I came from. That was like the highest, like you a drug dope fiend, you know. Uh-huh. They probably did heroin, but I only knew the pills and the marijuana. Now the pills are out here, really bad to the point. My friends, um, I've lost a few friends. Yeah, yeah, same, same. Off narcos and. Molly's and they say they don't know what happened the day before like they find them off the street and then the fentanyl it's just a mess the fentanyl scary laced yeah like cause like nowadays like people are thinking they're gonna do some coke yep. and there's some fentanyl in there and yes. lights out and that's how a lot of comedians in the industry I'm in besides everyday people I know they lost their lives uh yeah <laughs> Like entertainment, they're used to doing cocaine. Okay, they snort cocaine. That's what they do. You know? mm-hmm. um, and now it's to the point where you should be very afraid to snort some cocaine because yeah. you know this lace with fentanyl. I, I'm so glad that those days are behind me and that it's not. I mean, it was bad enough, and I'm sure I've done some permanent damage. And like, but I'm coffee, weed, and water is the only <laughs> thing I do these days. You know, and even and sometimes even the coffee, I'm like. Oh, it's too late. I better not. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Have your heart fluttering. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so back to the... We, we went on a Friday Night Lights tangent, man. You mm-hmm. you mentioned Odessa, Texas. I was like, what? Yes. Um, so you've been doing comedy about 11 years, then you said? Yes. Um, and so Touch of Class was already going at that point? Yes. A guy named B.T. Kingsley. Mm-hmm. He started it off, and um, he moved to L.A. So they had a couple different hosts. And it ended up being me, Andre Bailey, and Rico the Great. We all three started running the room. Mm-hmm. Andre became the host because we need, we, we gave it like uh, the structure like BT had before. But we had to tell them we need more income to have a, always have a great feature and always have a great closer. Because, okay. you know, it's, <clears throat> it's times where the open mic where everybody just bombed to the point and they paid money. So we were guaranteed, we would guarantee them, you know. Some laughs because right. of our experience. Right. Our, so, we did that for so long to the point where everybody was coming. We seen Tiffany Haddish. Kevin Hart came to fill his um, heart of the city there. Um, you had Lumel, Earthquake, a lot of comedians that would stop by and pay homage because it was the underground open mic uh, in the black community. You know, minorities. Mm-hmm. And it was welcome to every race. You know, it is. Like it is. You a lot of people be like, I'm scared to go to the touch. <clears throat> they 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 hardcore over there. I'm like, but it's a lot of people of other races. I mean, Indian, uh, Caucasian, Mexican, and come and they kill. Uh-huh. They kill. So it's like you it, it don't you don't have to be black to come to this room. And it's like you don't have to have a black uh, uh, content either. No. If you're funny, you're funny. They'll get it. They'll catch on. But it's like the Apollo. I've seen people being swept off the stage before. What a real burn. <laughs> but it is more rapid fire comedy. Like it 
it is like quicker like it's not it's not like storytelling comedy yeah no storytelling but it's like set up punch set up punch set up punch yeah. right so it is it's a little bit different like right. you you got to bring a, a different flavor yes. i've never killed at touch but i don't think i've ever bombed either like i've had a set cut short like, like <laughs> yeah, we're gonna save fine. you guy we're gonna save you but um I've, I've done okay there, but um, I do have to get into a different mindset when I go there about not doing, like, I'm like... Switch your story up. That's yeah, what you're doing. Yeah. If you're a storyteller, like I am, I just bring it in closer. Cut all the knickknack stuff off because you only got five minutes. So it's like you're not going to waste your time telling a whole story. With a, they have It's a bar, first of all. They already been drinking. Uh you can walk like there's a walkway people moving around while you're talking so if you if you if you come out quick and witty and catch their attention they'll stop they'll stop in their um in their walk in their steps and just turn around and you can have the whole room catch captured yeah but if you up there at an open mic this is just for anybody that's doing an open mic you know you have to you can t- you can stretch your story out when you get more time but if you want to sell that story touch a classes where you come sell your story so it's like if you come to advertise, you're not gonna have f- five minutes of advertisement. You're gonna get that one minute in, and where the people are gonna be like, "Ooh, let me call in. I like, you know, let me go check these eminent new eminems out. Ooh, they made it sound so good." <laughs> but if you have a long story and they're already drinking, and it's a bar, it's not like a a comedy room setting. It's, yeah, it's a bar. Yeah, that we turn into a comedy room. So, did you watch the? Uh, was it on Hulu? They where they did the uh, they did the documentary recently about the uh, the the Tuesday nights at the comedy store how that used to be uh, when oh man it's so good and it's it's all it's all about that that early nineties era of uh, they they told the whole story of the night that um, I'm I ain't scared of you motherfuckers um, what's his name um, not Cedric not. Gosh, I can't believe it. I've watched it. I've watched it this seven minutes. I don't know how many times. Hmm. Um, and maybe I'll come back to it later. Yeah. <laughs> I'll come back to it. Um, here in the last couple of months, I've seen you start posting a bunch of skits. Yes. That you're now. Is that where? Because you said at the beginning you didn't know if you wanted to do comedy, if you wanted to be an actress. Is this is these skits something that that have been like mulling over in the back of your head? Have you been doing them for a long time, and I just barely caught wind right. of them? Or, um, I've been doing them for a long time, but I stopped. Okay, okay. I stopped for a long time, and I think I started focusing on um, classes, comedy classes, different things like that. And then, being my my mind just turns a lot of channels. I think they call it ADHD. I'm not sure. So it's times where I'm just turning so far to the left, and I'm like, oh, I'm forgetting to balance all this out. So I had to come back to it because people kept seeing me in the streets. Hey, girl, we missed your little. You know, because I used to do every Friday, like the news update on Sacramento. Oh, really? The weather, this, that, the sports, who won this. And I used to do that. But anyway, so I'm back into it heavily, heavily uh, on TikTok and um, Instagram. I got to push my content because I have so much. Yeah. And, and you sit back and watch other people put. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. You better get busy, girl. And this doesn't seem to be stuff that you're filming by yourself. Like you, you've got other people in it with you. Somebody's holding the camera. How, how no, are you? That's, that's is me. this a one? Is this a one me. person team? Yeah, this is a one person team. I do it myself. I edit it. I do everything. Wow. Yes. And are you just shooting on your phone, or are you shooting yes. with the camera? On my phone. 
Okay. I have a camera, but I, I don't even have to, I don't take time to even try to practice with that. But I'm just at the time you just gotta go with what you got. Right. Just right. get the content out there. Right. Yeah. So now I have a sketch to do tomorrow with a group of people from the Manners. Okay. Yeah, they have film crew. They want me to do a sketch for them, like you know. And then I, I'm in a, I've been in E40 video. Really? Yeah, nineteen dollars for a lap dance. Uh huh. So yeah, me and Rico have a part, a comedy sketch on that. And then um, I have a little bit in a movie called Easy Money on Amazon Prime. So I got a little bit on there. And so the producer ended up liking that a little bit. Now I'm filming this Saturday to be in a movie called, uh, I forgot, so we're going to but Low Hanging Fruit. Okay. And, I, and I, it's about sex trafficking. So I got another little part, so yeah. Okay. Look for me in that film, Low Hanging Fruit. I will. And then, now, when, what do you want to, do you want to do more, like, are Both. you writing stuff? Or you, do you want to do, like, TV shows, sketches, movies? What? Anything everything. that comedy takes me to, because it's an avenue for it all. But I can do both, mm-hmm. acting and comedy, and you know, uh, write. I can write. So whatever the comedy, it sometimes you end up being like Tiffany Haddish. She does more comedy than I me, mean, not comedy, but movies than. Yeah, she's doing more movies now. But she was, she was. I mean, we all know her as a comic, right? Yeah. But she's doing movies. She's doing everything. Yeah, but you got people that, from comedy. They got the best radio personality show. Just wherever it takes me, you know. Right, right. But in the day, I I can do stand up all day long, and acting. What's the longest you've ever done, like minutes, time wise? Have you done like an hour, hour and a half? I, I hear stories Over about an hour. I uh, hear stories about sometimes like people just get up at a party uh, and go. Yeah, maybe an hour because it was like a place at a theater in Backerville that I had to do an hour, and probably no more than an hour and ten. Uh huh. But you know, it, sometimes you feel like you can't do that, but a lot of people just want to hear you talk. Right. Just keep talking. So will you start filling that up with crowd work? No, not really. No, because I, like, I. I was gonna say, do you like crowd work? I sometimes, but I just be trying to focus on uh, what I came here for to make people laugh and tell my stories. And some people are good, but my attention span is so short. Like I, if I'm in the middle of something, I might say something, and it might I'm able to feed off of that and go uh-huh. into another story. But for the most part, when they pay you for an hour or 30, 40 minutes, I don't like to do crowd work, really, unless you're a headliner. Or may, not even a headliner, more of the host. You can play around. But a lot of times, you people pay for you to entertain them and not... Because sometimes you can get engaged too long. Yeah, yeah. And But I'm quick when I do it. So I like it, but I don't, I don't overdo it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Do you think crowd work is more like for a host to do than, than yeah. a feature or, yeah. or a headliner? Mm-hmm. I get it. I get it. Um, when the pandemic ended on, like when season one of the pandemic ended right before season two snuck up on us, there seemed to be a lot of shows popping up like here in this area, but they kind of died down. Did, did you did you kind of catch that also? Like they had started doing the open mic at the at the Elks. Yeah, I started that. Yeah, did you start that? But I gave it to Ellis, but it was just too much. It was just, now they're remodeling the Elks. Oh, are they? But the management and everything that was going on, it was just too much. It was a, The crowd wasn't right. I had to protect my comedians, mm-hmm. you know, because it's like, you guys just letting anybody in. Where's security? Like, I got to protect my comedian friends that come to do this open mic for a showcase. So I did like six shows. Yeah, there was a handful they, of shows there. Yeah, they were so happy that I brought it back to, you know, where I grew up at. 
and stuff right down the street from Grand High School. They were so happy, but the management could not keep the wrong type of people out that would get drunk and didn't understand entertainment. You have to sit down during the comedy show. Mm-hmm. I mean, I deal with that at the touch, but this was like a level 10. Like, you'll see people like walking, you know, but a lot of people would sit down, you know, mm-hmm. and they knew they came for comedy, but mm-hmm. they had too many people that didn't know that you're supposed to sit down and pay attention and be quiet. So it was in Ellis, I mean, not Ellis, what's his name? Alvin. Alvin, Alvin Duke. I was like, you want to do Mondays here? You know, we all grinding, you know? Yeah. And I told him, you know, ask for a little budget and stuff like that. But, um, I shut it down because of that reason to protect my comedians, and then he did the Monday nights because we were doing on the weekends because you know it's right. kind of rowdy, nothing else going on in the neighborhood. So I was like, no. So maybe Monday more calmer people. He said it was even worse. <laughs> he said they was cussing them out. He said he he a lot of them end up being his friends. He was like, man, I was about to get in fights and everything. Gina, why you do me like that? There and I started was, laughing. There was one night where we took it out onto the patio, like we took oh, it from the night. He said we took it from there. the inside room and then we took it out onto the patio and some some of the, the there was these two there was these three ladies in the in the group and yeah. they were like, but it was fun. I don't know. I did okay that night. I did okay, but. Other guys were like fearful. <laughs> Other guys were you can't scared. Let people know, you know, because if you act scared and everything, they'll punk you. Like look at you, like mm, what you gonna what? say? Uh huh. Right. Sometimes those are times you gotta do crowd work. Be like, hey, y'all looking good, ladies. Yeah. Compliment them real quick. Y'all looking good. What y'all drinking, and fellas? Y'all better keep up with these women. You got to have something. You got to know how to be just quick with it. Like obviously, this is the hood. And they over there mad about something. Maybe they baby daddy didn't come home. I don't know. But they looking at y'all like, who the hell is these people? Because, you know, people are used to the people that they see in the hood, in each hood. They looking at you guys like, what? What is going on? But if you, like, if I was in that situation, I will be like, you know, Brittany really try to tell jokes and mm-hmm. work on some crowd work. Like, hey, oh, it looked like he can fight over there. I don't want no drama. I don't want, <laughs> I don't no want drama. none of that. Yeah, look, look, I don't want no drama. I'm your homie. If you need me, let me know. I'll help you jump somebody. You know, stuff like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Right on. You, you Are you going to try to get something going again? Or or, just, or if the opportunity presents itself? Um, uh, I, yeah. They be doing me wrong. Because, like, yeah, we'll see. If not, I will recommend somebody go there once I go check it out because they got a new air conditioner, painted it, took the pool table out. Okay. They want it to be a lounge. They have new management. Uh-huh. So if you ride by there, you'll see. So we'll see what they offering. I, I was so glad that there was something right around the corner yeah. from my house. I was okay. like, hell yeah, I'll go to that. Yeah. So I went to the, I never made it to the to the Saturday night shows because I always was trying to go, yeah. you know, but I, I did make it out to the Monday open mic. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, Alvin was hosting. You know, I'm pretty good friends with with him, so I was like, I'm gonna go check it out. You know, yeah. and uh, I I had a good time. It, it wasn't it wasn't always pleasant, but it was Rough. it was always entertaining. You know, yes. man, you just laugh at the people that's there. First of all, <laughs> just the scenery. <laughs> right. You said you survived COVID. Did you get it bad or what? I I didn't never get COVID. Oh, you oh I you survived I, the COVID era. Yeah. 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 If Thank I you. had it, I was probably asystematic because I'm at this point. I'm thinking everybody gonna at least get it. So if I had it, um, no, I I just laid low and didn't ever get sick. Good for you. Good for I I laid real low and that, it finally got me, uh, like the first week of January. But at that point, I I really just felt like almost like you know how like you you hear the stories of like 
how back in the day, like, parents used to make you go play with your cousins so you could all catch chicken pox. Like, that's what it felt like for me at that point. I was like, okay, look, I'm vaccinated. I know I'm a big dude, but yeah. I don't have diabetes. I don't yeah. have, like, I'm an okay big guy. Like, yeah. I take my vitamins, you yeah. know. I don't drink. I was like, I'm just going to go get it and get yeah. this shit over with. Yeah. And hope for the best. And yeah. I, it was like, I, I took, like, a three-week vacation. <laughs> you know, I got it. Uh, it was bad for, like, two or three days, but then it lingered for, like, two or three weeks. Yes. And now, now I'm I'm like let's let's record some podcasts. I'm, yeah, let's get back to living. Yeah, I miss it. Like I, I converted this room into like a little studio. You know, yeah. this is my work from you know, I I oh, I yeah. work from home here, and uh, I keep these people up here to motivate me. You know, yeah, and um, all this stuff. And I I just a minute ago, it seemed like my neighbor somehow connected to my Bluetooth. Yeah, cause uh, uh all of a sudden there was some Paisa music bumping. <laughs> <laughs> That's weird. Yeah, so I don't know how that happened, but anyway, what what do you got? What do you got planned for the spring? What what do you got going on? I mean, don't. I mean, I know you got shows, but like, do you got you got you want to do some more TikTok skits or oh, you yeah. doing skits? What are you are you producing shows or? Well, I'm trying to get this green room, like a, you know, green room set up to do more sketches, mm. podcasts. I got a lot of stuff to do, but now that I moved and my mind is clear and I got more room than where I was at to kind of set everything up and just um just keep my hands on everything just stay busy you know more I want more of everything more of it all yeah yes. yeah more 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 work what do you think of the the Sacramento comedy scene I think it's it's very diverse and I think um Ben Rice said uh one time about two years ago because somebody somebody asked him like on a podcast uh why is the Sacramento comedy scene so good and he said because what you have in Sacramento is metal sharpening metal. Like, you're not going out. And, you know, you can go. You're, there's good comics out. And yeah. what, do you, what do you think? Uh, can I you was, agree with that statement? Yes. Out of, um, out of nowhere, we just started popping. Like, a lot of people know about Northern California, Sacramento. Bay Area, has, they got their stuff, too. Mm-hmm. But it's like... We kind of like collab with each other. It's just the vibe in Sacramento with comedy. It's like, you know, one day you over here with Adam Reyes. So I'm over here with Adam Reyes. And then the next minute I'm doing the uh, the Fiji people. Like, it's like uh-huh. so diverse to the point. Um, I Like, I called my cousin in Oklahoma. And he was, we talked about comedy scene. He was like, it's only one comedy place where he is. I think Tulsa or another place. And, um. He said they can't even cuss. I said, what? No cuss words. I said, ooh, that's a miserable comedy scene. <laughs> if you're a comedian, you would have to re, you know, relocate, re- relocate. Yeah. So I love, in the Bay Area also, we work together. Really, we do, you know. Yeah, I see you guys hitting Oakland a lot. Yeah, Oakland comes out here. We, we, we go back and forth. Uh-huh. We network. Yes. And it's, it's, just, it's just growing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'll say it's popping. Yeah, what do you think of uh, these backyard shows? You think more or less? I I want more of them. Well, um, I went to one Tina Lucas. I've Tina been to a Lu- couple of. Them. I remember seeing you at the Dope Room, and I was so happy when I saw that you were going to be at the Dope Room, yeah. and I was like, hell yeah! That was and so wasn't isn't yeah. that a great vibe? Yes, I've done a, a lot of backyards actually, uh-huh. like Fourth of July. It is a great vibe, and um, and. It's extra money too, and they feed you, and the parties, you know, are always nice. It's really nice. Mm-hmm. I just do it all. Yeah, the I'm, boat, the backyard. 
I'm gonna try to do a show in my backyard very soon. Yeah. And uh, it's pretty big. It's pretty yeah. big. Yeah. And uh, I want to have the lotero, the corn guy, come and set up and uh, yeah. and uh, and do that. But yeah. Your neighbor's cool. Oh, my neighbors are very cool. Yeah. 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 I got Fred next door. He and everyone's business. So I know like <laughs> nothing's happening without Fred knowing. And I got some Mexicans right here. Yeah. They they cool. They cool. Yeah. They keep me well. They they take real good care of me. That's you know. Cool. And then I got this alley, and oh, yeah. then I got the other house. Oh, and then yeah, yeah. and then That's right great. over there is Del Paso. Yeah. Uh, Boulevard. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think I think we'll be cool. I'm gonna try it out. It's it's gonna happen. That's all great. All our little stomping grounds. Like I'll probably gonna roll through these back streets so many times. Yeah. <laughs> me and my homegirls in the cars. I hoop these back then. Yep. Uh huh. Do you still friends with a lot of your friends that you grew up with, or did they all go separate ways? Did um, a lot of people leave Sacramento? A lot, a lot of people didn't. Um, we're all still friends. We don't hang around each other, but yeah, we like the Pacers. They show up to a lot of events to uh-huh. support me. You know, a lot of people that went to Grant, and yeah, so yeah, we're still close. Mm-hmm. Did uh, like Rico and Tristan? Did they grow up in Sacramento, or they did? Rico, are they also transplants? Yeah, transplants, but Rico kind of. Half here and half in the Bay because his father was from Sacramento, the Manners, and his mom was from Berkeley. Okay. But Tristan was, uh, yeah, he he was a native Bay Area, Acorn Apartments. He said, <laughs> little hood apartments. I think yeah, that's where his grandma stayed. Right on, oh. right on. Okay, Regina, I like to I like to close the podcast with a little segment. I'm not saying we're closing like in two minutes because this sometimes goes on longer than the podcast. But I like to I have this segment I like to do called Five Easy Questions. Yeah. And, uh, of course, no right or wrong answers, just off the top of your head. And uh, it, it kind of starts off a little bit serious, but it, it ends kind of fun. So yeah. you, you, want, you want to do that segment with me? Sure. Do you mind? Okay. So my first question, uh, what are you afraid of? Um, myself. Why? Um, basically, when I get into a pro, when I start procrastinating, like I'm like, okay, you're the only person that's holding you back. Because mm. I've always been a strong minded person so um i'm only afraid of myself and that's the only thing gonna stop me from getting me where i need to go do you find are you able to to catch yourself when you're when you're procrastinating or is it something that that it kind of it kind of set like it's been a couple days and you snap out of it like oh shit this is me doing this again uh yeah a couple of days snapping out of it you know trying to because you'd be overwhelmed and stuff like that. Then you, the depression kicks in and then the anxiety that's like up and down. Your head just all over the place before you know it. Three, four days and went by and you have not finished something you started. So it's like you got to stop, breathe, therapy to yourself, uh, talk to your friends, uh, maybe get a good couple of naps, you know, calm yourself yeah. down. What's some good self-therapy for you? Uh, for what me, works for you? Take good naps, be still. Don't be talking on the phone. Minimize your, your internet. Stop looking at everything that's going on in the world, the news. Just sit down for a couple of days until your body just, you know, is calm and everything, you know? Okay. Yeah, because we weren't, we weren't made to process this much information. Like, it's good that we have it, but, like, I can't be worried about what's going on in Stillwater, Oklahoma. Right. You know? Like, I can't help them. Yes. You know, and I just said Stillwater. I don't know why. Yeah. Like, you know, I think because you mentioned Oklahoma a couple times. <laughs> and I was trying to find a point of reference. Yeah, you can't consume all that. So that really affects people. And some people got kids. Some people worry about their mortgage. A lot of people have different things. But mine is just 
procrastinate and hold myself back and I'll start worrying about things that I'll need to be worried about. Mm -hmm. And so what I do is take a good nap and relax for a couple days. Even with the comedy thing, I'm like, oh, I should be here. You think you're supposed to be here by now? You're supposed to be doing that? And why I'm not in doing a show and that person got a show? That's not none of my business. Worry about your own walk of life. Uh Everybody has their own lane. So years ago, I told myself, you're in your own lane. They're in their own lane. And then you see people dropping off dying and you worried about other stuff like this person just died after all this like I've learned to just just keep going and live and be happy every day but get your rest rest is so important it is it people is painting on stage and stuff passing out <laughs> I was like well, let me drink some water yeah rest is very important I, I, I'm very big on, on rest alright that's a great answer I love that okay um, question number two who or what inspires you oh who inspires me mm. sometimes it's what I had somebody once say it was the sun you know just like the sun Big inspires them what inspires me probably is my children you know mm-hmm. it's, it's like <clears throat> you wanna be the best parent you can you know and I always be con- conscious of my children and I have a, a god daughter that I raise also and they inspire me. They be like, yeah. They like my little videos. They support me. It's like, man. And uh, I want them to make it. Like, uh, it's it's my children. They inspire me. My kids, you know. Mm-hmm. How many? I have three. Two and my goddaughter. So three. I have three. Okay. And the, the oldest is? The, she's 30. Okay. And the youngest is? 16. Oh, so they can be your best friends. They're at that age where, like, you could, like, Yeah. yeah. And they look up to me, and you know, I, 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 I've done foster care. I've taken care of a lot of youth in the community and inside my family. So, oh, really? They all look up to me, and they just like, oh, wow. Like, yeah, you're a matriarch, you know. So that's that's what inspires me, my family. Okay. Yeah. All right. Cool, cool. Um, question number three. Um, what are you binging right now? Like, is there, like, a podcast, a TV show? a book, like something that like you discovered recently and you, you just can't get enough of it right now. Well, I'm binging my, with the ske- sketches. Oh. Right now I'm in the middle of movement, so that's kind of been quiet, like, so set up the salon, but I start binging, and that's what I want to binge on something that's productive instead of binging on, because I drank a lot of alcohol during COVID. <laughs> I was lit, lit. Like, oh, okay, another day of COVID. So I was binging on alcohol. Well, because you couldn't work, right? Or you yeah. just had to yeah, like lay low. They made us shut down my salon. I had to shut down my salon. Uh-huh. And I didn't have a back door to sneak through. Because I was on Northgate in the hood. It wasn't okay. no back doors. Only the front doors. Right, so right. A lot of people were able to go through the back door and make money. But no, I know people that like they blacked out the windows. Yes. And then they just. I'm on the main street, Northgate. Mm-hmm. Anybody can report me because I'm on the main street. Ain't no curves and stuff like that. Or deep, like deep end. I'm like right at the thing. You see and the parking lot is small, uh-huh. so they'll know some cars there. Okay. I didn't even bother with it because I had saved up enough money, and I just didn't bother with it. Like, um, I waited for a month before I started doing people here. Okay. Because my clients are older. Uh-huh. I'm not a young young lady, so my clients are older, and I didn't want to jeopardize that, that because of their age. Gotcha, gotcha. So I waited a month, and then I went to their house. <laughs> <laughs> What's your go-to drink? Uh... Right now, it's uh, Tito's. Tito's, oh. Gluten-free. Is it really? Mm-hmm. I So, Tito's is a vodka that came along 
when I was drinking, I was I was a vodka guy. Like I loved Absolute. Then I moved on to Grey Goose. That's that my, my friend calls me calls that that my Jay Z era when I was drinking Grey Goose. And then at the end it was Kettle One. And I now I hear everyone talking about Tito's. Yes, it don't blow your stomach up. It's gluten free. You don't feel like like full. You know, because uh, right. I have acid reflux. I got a lot of stuff going on, so I have to find something that's soothing for me. But I've learned to not drink um, before the show because I used to drink a lot before the show. When I look at my old clips, you can see the drunken drunkenness. Mm-hmm. Now I kind of like maybe have one shot and sometimes not even that or a, a couple of sips of, of a beer. But it's not no continuous drinking. And then you like, because I'm focusing on being, you know, up there sober. Nice. But was there an era of your comedy where you had to be well, a I little bit? That. No, I just start. That's the way I started. Yeah, it wasn't. That was just how I was. So maybe mm, at least four years ago or more, or around there, I, I said, no, I don't want to be having to have a drink and smoking weed, and uh-huh. I, I could do that afterwards because I'm I'm getting paid to work. Yeah, like, some people can do comedy high. I can't. I can't. People know, like, all I need is a shot, and that's it. Some people can't take that shot or drink because it messes them up, but they can smoke the weed. Whatever your thing is, that's you. That's but you know what? what's funny is that, like, I can get high and have a conversation and be funny, and, like, we could laugh, and we could laugh, and we could talk, and I'll never get tired of talking, but I cannot get high and go up on stage. I, I cannot do it. I mean, I've done it at a couple open mics. And yes. I've done it a lot of times over the years, but... My best work, and you, but I have to retrain myself because you, you, you know what I'm saying? That's a crutch. Mm. That's really a crutch. It's like, can you go up there with this and that? And you're going to have to start doing clean comedy. When people want you to do clean, you got to be able to focus, like switch it up. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I told myself about four years ago that I will smoke some weed and have a, a whole drink afterwards. Right. Like as a reward. As a reward. Yeah. Gotcha. After, when I get off work. All right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Cool. Um, the fourth question is, uh, what, what have you been meaning to get to? Like what, what's something that's like on the back of your mind and like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta get to that, man. I gotta, I gotta, I gotta start doing this. Um, things that I need to get to is a podcast. Really? Yeah. Somebody called me, you know, they on the Roku and all this and I'm like, give me a couple months. I'm moving. It's this and that. Procrastinate. Uh-huh. So now I got to go through my phone and figure out because I told him I'll call him back in a couple months because I need my own podcast. Because yeah. my personality, I know I could do it. I've done a couple of, of them, tried to start them up with, with a partner. And I think I just need to start by myself. Yeah. Yeah. I tried starting with a partner mm-hmm. and like a producer. And I, it's just like. It's hard. It's like I just got to do it myself. And like I've, everything is self-taught. Like yeah. I bought a microphone. I figured out the, the program and like. I learned how to edit, and yeah. this is episode, like, number 127 or something like that. That's what's up. But, like, I've, I've started it and stopped it and stopped it a couple times, you know? But, um, yeah, yeah. it's I, I would look forward to, to hearing your podcast and to hear what, what, what you chat about on there. Yeah. Okay. And uh, the fifth question, the easiest one, like, uh, uh, what are you looking forward to? I'm just looking forward to... Um Driving in this comedy game. It's a lot of positive energy going on right now. So I'm looking forward to just um, keep rocking to the bigger stages, networking, trying to get, uh, since COVID is up, just trying to 
I got um I'm looking forward to the um I got accepted to come on the Chocolate Sundays in LA. Ooh. So the you know we have to do the Zoom thing first. What was that process like? Can you share that process? Like y- yes. Um, first, um, you have to email them, and cause Carlos Rodriguez was like Gina, you know, and I had a lot of connections, but you hear things and you don't hear things, and people always say this and that, but you you so anyways, I emailed them and gave them a bio of me, and they hit me back and said, you know, you want to. We're doing Zoom first impressions because so many people try to get in this room. Chocolate Sundays in LA, you know. So it's at the Laugh Factory, right? Yes, it's at the Laugh Factory, and I'm like, okay, I did that. A couple of days later, they hit me back, gave me a date, and basically, you just gotta send your bio in. And then uh, I think they might do research on their own. Sure, they do. Yeah, yeah they look in because Rico was like Regina. A couple people was like. Somebody said they didn't even hit me back. I'm like, maybe they do be searching, you know, to see if you're really working. You know uh-huh. what I'm saying? And then, uh, but anyways, they hit me back. I did the first impression. So they have the people on the panel to watch you. And uh, you have the other comedians all the way from here to New York. It's like maybe 10 of you guys, 8 to 10. And you get only three minutes. Three minutes? I think, yeah, three minutes. Oh, my god! It's like a real open mic. So that's why I said, if you're a storyteller, you want to bring it down. Yeah. Yeah. You just want to tell, boom, 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 boom. And so, yeah, and then uh, at the end of the show, they let you know if you make it to be seen live. Oh, okay, so the audition is three minutes. Yes. Okay. And then once, once, now I got booked to go there live. Mm-hmm. So we get probably like five, seven. Do you know what day that is? Yeah, they gave me a date. Uh, is that, I don't even remember. Like March, April? N- not this year. Oh, that far out. Wow. That far out. It's that bad. Because all the people from COVID, that that whole year off, or that yeah, they have to get those people first. Uh huh. Mm. Wow. But they said sometimes you can get moved up because people can't fly in; they don't have the money. Because you know they audition from different states. Be like, yeah. Oh, oh, oh that's gonna be in eight months. Oh, I just had a baby. Yeah. So that's how people get bumped. Mm-hmm. This is like a Section Eight list. You get bumped. <laughs> can't find people. They don't move to Section Eight before you know it. You got a voucher. For two hundred <laughs> rent, two hundred dollars in a five bedroom. Yes. Nice. <laughs> wow. That's that's great to hear about that. Congratulations on yeah, that. Yeah, I'm looking forward to that and the movie that I'm um that you're working on. Yeah. So I go film again um this Saturday. Okay. Yeah. So All right. On my little, you know, bottom bitch part. You know, I'm the bottom uh-huh. bitch in sex trafficking, which I'm so like, uh, you know, that's why I did foster care, taking young girls in, mm. showing how to take care of their bodies, this and that. You know, these pimp guys, they're going to come for you. You try to teach them and reroute them. You know what I'm saying? And this movie is just like, it's on the scene of the girl in the bedroom getting, because she was uh, kidnapped from Oakland, you know. Just the scene of the bed and the mattress of the sex trafficking, it just touched my heart, you know. To know that you stopped somebody from, or just like. Just know what people, this is what women are going through, even at my age. They, you don't know where you're going to get snatched up at. They're, they're prostituting. I think they stop at 60. I don't know what age, you know, it's whatever a pervert wants. Yeah, give me a fine, bad six. And you could be at Walmart. They snatching us up, but mainly younger girls. Uh huh. So that's why it's like, and I'm playing my character, but you know, like, I got to play this character of the bottom bitch, the one that's down with the pimp, and you hoes wash y'all ass and get y'all life together so you're going to make this money. I have to talk like that. Uh-huh. And it's just like, oh my gosh. So acting is so 
you got to really be in your role, even though if, even if it's, if it's not connected to your personal life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Is acting so? Do you lo- do you love movies? Like yes. acting is your thing. Yeah, I what, think I can, I'll be a great actor too. What were some of your favorite movies growing up? Um, can, you know, I, I I love the movie Color Purple. How Oprah acted in the movie, the face expressions, the everything just theatrical, and I loved um. Uh, mainly all the the black movies that we were raised off of, um, Ray Charles movies, the Motown, you know. Uh-huh. But I like Living Colors as far as acting. Uh-huh. The movies that I grew up on were cool, but I would I would mimic the way they say it or be shaking my head like I wonder if I could do that. I've been doing that for years. Man, I'm just waiting for the opportunity. So I just want to be ready for my 15 minutes of fame. And if it never comes, I'll be happy because I still can get paid to do stand-up across the world. Yeah. You know, because everybody wants to be like, oh, you know, but you see, they only take so many people in. So I have to reset my mind like, but I can get paid $5,000 an hour to do a show because of my experience and flying out of town, you know, a whole weekend, come on with 20000 Like I guess I like that money too. Yeah. So I'm like, I still can be take. I can be motivational speaker. There's so many avenues to this. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Thank you for coming on the podcast today. I I really enjoyed this conversation. I never thought we'd talk about high school football in Odessa, yes. Texas. Odessa. And uh, I knew we'd talk about comedy, but thank you for coming on the podcast. You're welcome.